Good morning. Today we will follow the order of service printed out in your bulletin. Our opening hymn today is hymn, hymn number 794 in the LSB, The Lord My God Be Praised, hymn 794. Son and Holy Spirit, 
We come into your presence this day to seek your mercy, to hear your word, and to offer up our prayers and praises. Hear us for the sake of the Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and his atoning sacrifice on the cross for our sins. Amen. In the first epistle of St. John, the Bible tells us, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us therefore confess our sins unto the Lord and look to him for mercy and forgiveness. Almighty God, our maker and redeemer, we poor sinners confess unto you that we are by nature sinful and unclean, and that we have sinned against you in our thoughts, desires, words, and deeds. Therefore, we flee for refuge to your infinite mercy, seeking and imploring your grace for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in St. John's first epistle, my little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. For the sake of Jesus' holy life and his atoning sacrifice on the cross, I announce unto you the grace and mercy of God, and in the name instead of Jesus Christ, our Savior, forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. For our psalm today, we read Psalm 31 responsibly. Again, the congregation reading those verses in bold type. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness. Thou thou mine ear to me, deliver me speedily. Be thou my strong rock, for an house of the dead to save me. For thou art my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the net that they have made verbally for me, for thou art my strength. Into thine hand I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. I will be glad and rejoice in thy mercy, for thou hast considered my trouble. Thou hast known my soul in adversities. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. Mine eye is consumed with grief, yea, my soul and my belly. For my life is spent with grief, and when my years are dissipating, my strength faileth because of my iniquity, and my bones are consumed. I was a reproach among all mine enemies, but especially among my neighbors, and a fear to mine acquaintance. They that did see me without fled from me. I am a dead man out of mine. I am like one that is dead. I am 
For I have heard the slander of many. Fear was on every side while they took counsel together against me. They devised to take away my life. My times are in thy hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from them that persecute me. Let me not be ashamed, O Lord, for I have called upon thee. Let the wicked be ashamed and let them be silent in the grave. Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that feared thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. Blessed be the Lord, for he has showed me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. O love the Lord, all ye his saints, for the Lord preserveth the faithful and plentifully rewardeth the proud doer. Be of good courage, and you shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. You may be seated. We continue by singing hymn 940.
Our epistle lesson for today is recorded in Romans chapter 2, beginning at the 17th verse. Behold, thou art called a Jew, and restest in the law, and makest thy boast of God, and knowest his will, and approvest the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law. And art confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which has the form of knowledge and of the truth in the law. Thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? Thou that makest thy boast of the law, through breaking the law, dishonorest thou God? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, as it is written. For circumcision verily profiteth if thou keep the law. But if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. Therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? And shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee who by the letter and circumcision does transgress the law? For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not, from, not of men, but of God. Here ends our reading of the epistle. I ask you to please rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. Our gospel lesson for today is recorded in Luke chapter 18, beginning at the 31st verse. Then he took him unto the twelve and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked, and spitefully entreated, and spitted on. And they shall scourge him and put him to death, and the third day he shall rise again. And they understood none of these things, and this saying was hid from them, neither knew they the things which were spoken. And it came to pass that he was come nigh unto Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging. And hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passeth by. And he cried, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they which went before rebuked him, that he should hold his peace. But he cried so much the more, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he asked him, saying, What wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight, thy faith has saved thee. 
And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. Here ends our reading of the Holy Gospel. We join in confessing our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed as it's printed out in your bulletin. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. We continue by singing hymn 568, If Your Beloved Son, O God.
I ask you to bow your heads and join me in a word of prayer. O Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we again pray your Holy Spirit's blessing upon the speaking and the hearing of your word this day, that we might see our utter sinfulness and failures to be acceptable in your sight by our works, that we might look to our Lord Jesus Christ and his cross for mercy and forgiveness. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. You may be seated. In the hymn we just sang in verse 4, it says, All righteousness by works is vain. The law brings condemnation. True righteousness by faith I gain. Christ's work is my salvation. His death, that perfect sacrifice, has paid the all-sufficient price. In him, my hope is anchored. As we've been going through these first two chapters of Romans, in some ways we see the noose tightening around our neck as we, in regard to our dependence upon our own works of righteousness. We see that all are without excuse because from God's creation, we all have a witness to the existence of God. And we have within ourselves a remnant of the law written upon our hearts, which tells us what is right and what is wrong, which condemns us when we sin, but justifies us when we do what is good and right. And we see that when people turn away from the Lord God, as we read in the chapter 1, that God hands them over or delivers them over to their own corrupt desires. And we see how that progresses from a rejection of God and his word, a rejection of the truth that they know deep down into sexual sin and impurity, even homosexuality, and finally to not even be, being able to understand at all the things of God, the truth which is revealed to us. And then we saw in chapter 2 that though we are quick to say, okay, God, you know, all these people are sinners, you know, we're, we're ready for you to judge them, that we ourselves are inexcusable because we who condemn these things in many ways practice the same things. Maybe not out there doing them, but in our thoughts and in our desires. And so we see our utter sinfulness. Well, today the noose gets just a little bit tighter yet. Because today our text addresses us as religious people who have the scriptures, who have a knowledge of the truth and take pride in the fact that we have the scriptures and that we are ready to teach the world what is good and right when we ourselves fail to teach ourselves and to apply that in our own lives. And so we look in 
the opening verses of our epistle lesson today, verse 17 and following, where it says, Behold, thou art called a Jew, and resteth in the law, and makest thy boast of God, and knowest his will, and approvest the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law, and art confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which has the form of knowledge and of the truth in the law. The Jews were proud to be called Jews. They were called Jews based on the fact that most of the Jews came through the tribe of Judah, the southern kingdom. And it's kind of interesting that the name Judah means praise or praise to God. And so the Jews took pride in the fact that they were Jews. And in fact, some would even add to their surname the word Jew at the end because they were proud because they were God's chosen people. They had the law of God given to them. They had the scriptures, and they could, they were there actually to teach and teach the truth of God's word, bear witness to the truth to the rest of the world. Probably one of the reasons why God put his people really in the crossroads of the world at that time, because between Egypt and Africa, and between Europe and between Asia, the way to come was down along you know, the coast through the land of Israel where people would hear of the Holy Scriptures that God had given through Moses and the prophets, where people would see and hear of the promise of a Messiah and Savior. And so they were witnesses to the world. I do not advocate adulterating the scriptures, but it's kind of helpful to apply this word to ourselves by substituting perhaps the word Lutheran for the Jew. Behold, you are called a Lutheran. You rest in the law. Well, we actually rest in the entire scriptures. We even have more than the Jews with their Old Testament scriptures. And we make our boast in God. We know his will. We approve the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the Bible. And we're confident that we ourselves are a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which has the form of knowledge and of truth in the scripture. But of course, it goes on and says, Thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? And as we think about this, you know, we, the Jews taught the law that the commandment thou shalt not steal. But this commandment goes much further than actually, you know, breaking into somebody's home and stealing their goods or stealing their livestock. 
as we see from the Old Testament scriptures, it involved being honest in all their de dealings. They were not to have an unjust units of measure, any unjust units of measure in order to defraud another. They're to be fair in all their dealings. And so we have to ask ourselves, we who teach, you should not steal. Do we always put in an honest day's work for our employer who promises to pay us so much an hour for so much or for so much for this work or that work? And we know that stealing is much more than actually taking. So do we desire, covet the property of others? Are we honest in reporting our income to the IRS so that the IRS can take their fair share or maybe more than their fair share, depending on how we view it? And so we teach not to steal, but do we steal? Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? And we talked about that last time. Well, we might say, well, you know, I, I haven't gotten a divorce. I haven't gone out and had an affair. But even if we've had the desire, we are guilty before the Lord God. And so we teach others not to, have, not to commit adultery and we commit adultery. And of course, we can take that a step further. Not to adulterate God's purpose and design in marriage. Husbands, do you love your wife as much as Christ loved the church? Do you give up your own goals and ambitions to live for your wife and wives? Do you submit to your husbands? And so do we commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? You know, the Jews, because of all that happened to them with the exile, because of their pagan idolatry, abhorred idols. You know, you dare not worship any graven image of any kind. Uh, they rejected the worship of Baal or Baal. But do they commit sacrilege? by, first of all, failing to truly fear, love, and trust in God above all things? Do they maybe even take advantage of other pagan religions or, you know, some suggest that they might benefit from the gold and silver and pagan idols when they obtain these things? So do they commit sacrilege? And we have to ask ourselves, do we commit sacrilege by failing to truly love God with all our heart, soul, and mind. And Paul says, Thou that makest thy boast of the law, through breaking the law, dishonorest thou God. And so if we apply that to ourselves, if we make our boast in the fact that we have the Holy Scriptures, that our faith is based upon the teaching of the Holy Scriptures, do we, through our disobedience to the scriptures, dishonor God? 
And then Paul says, for the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you as it is written. And so the Jews, by their failures to keep the law that God had given them, gave occasion to the enemies of God to speak against his name. What about you and me? I know about me. I've given people occasion to say, you know, that man's a Christian, he's a minister, and look what he did. And so instead of just speaking against me and my sin, they speak against God and Christianity. And we have this happen all the time. You know, we see it in the news that a Christian minister will fall into sin and it's big news because here this person who claimed to be preaching for the Lord God now ends up being an adulterer, an abuser of children, or stealing from his congregation, or whatever it might be. And so we give occasion to the enemies of the gospel to speak against the gospel and say, see, it didn't do them any good. They think they're righteous, but they're just a bunch of hypocrites, those Christians. And so do we dishonor God? And as it says, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, as it is written. I often, I, I used to like to have bumper sticker on my car that you know said something about the fact that you know Jesus or being a Christian. Finally, changed that to Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. Because I feared somebody would see me doing something or driving in such a way that they would blaspheme. God and say, look at those Christians, you know, how they, how they drive. Even today, I have no bumper stickers on my car. <laughs> I'd like to take my license plate off sometime <laughs> because, you know, I might make some blunder while I'm driving and I don't want anybody to blaspheme my God because of my mistakes. And the point of all this is who among us does not give occasion to the enemies of the truth to speak against God. Because we all fail, whether it be an outburst, an angry outburst sometime, or calling someone a name, or simply not showing any love or concern, or whether it might be some outward open sin that gives people occasion to speak against the Lord God. He goes on to say, for circumcision verily or truly profiteth. In other words, it's a benefit if thou keep the law. But if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. Therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? And shall not the uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee, who by the letter and circumcision dost transgress the law? While there's not a full agreement between Old Testament circumcision and New Testament baptism, 
one could, again, make a comparison here in regard to baptism, because, you know, the Jews boasted in circumcision, that they were circumcised, and many had the view that, you know, if you are circumcised and then you go through your bar mitzvah, that everything is okay. And if you learn the Shema and you could recite it, God was pleased with you and would accept you. But circumcision in the Old Testament, which began at Genesis 17, was a sign that they were a part of God's covenant. And in that covenant, they were followers of the true God, that they had the promises of God. And of course, as the history of Israel went on, they were entrusted with the law of God and with the worship of God. And so being circumcised indicated that you were a part of this covenant relationship with God, whereby you kept his commandments and you worshiped him in this way, looking forward to the promised Messiah. But if you make your boast in the fact that, you know, I am circumcised, and yet you do not keep the law, does your circumcision benefit you? And the answer is obviously not. It doesn't make circumcision really invalid, just it doesn't benefit you because you're not living as a circumcised Jew. If you are baptized, whether as an infant or an adult, brought into the new covenant relationship with Jesus Christ, wherein you have forgiveness for all your sins, God's promises, you know, forgiveness and everlasting life. But you live like you are not a baptized child of God. Does your, your baptism benefit you? We used to have in our service, and I know that uh, in the LSB, it's no longer used. I don't think, well, it might be in one of the services. Uh, but we used to use regularly in the page five service, uh, Mark chapter 16. And I know it was de-emphasized because the modern, uh, or the modern translations, which are based on some older texts from Alexandria and Egypt are missing the ending of the Gospel of Mark or have variations of the Gospel of Mark at the end. But the Bible passage, which certainly is true, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned, which is Mark 16, verse 16. If you believe and are baptized, you will be saved, but if you believe not, you will be damned. I used to tell my catechism classes, that means you will be damned even if you are baptized and do not believe. Doesn't mean God has not done his part in baptism, but if you do not believe, you will be condemned. And so just the fact that we have been baptized and maybe confirmed does not make us right with God. God uses baptism. 
he uses the Lord's Supper, he uses the Holy Scriptures, and we are taught the Holy Scriptures much as we go through preparation for confirmation. God uses these scriptures to teach us the truth. But just knowing the truth and not doing the truth, not trusting in Christ, not repenting of our sins and looking to the cross of Jesus, makes our baptism of no benefit to us. And yet, if someone, we might think of the thief on the cross, repents of his sin and prays, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom, even though he was not baptized, yet by the grace of God, that very day he was with Jesus in paradise. There is an interesting, I don't know if it's a plaque or an engraving on the wall or at the door of a church in a city called Lübeck in Germany. I don't know if it has any relation to Lubbock, Texas or not, as far as, you know, a connection from immigration or not. But Lübeck, as you enter the Lutheran church there, which is really... Evangelische Kirche, uh, the Evangelical Church, the Union Church, has this saying, which really kind of hits home. This is supposed to be the words of Jesus to the one entering the church, though actually who wrote it, we don't know. Ye call me master and obey me not. Ye call me light and see me not. Ye call me way, and walk me not. Ye call me life, and desire me not. Ye call me wise, and follow me not. Ye call me fair, and love me not. Ye call me rich, and ask me not. Ye call me eternal, and seek me not. Ye call me gracious, and trust me not. Ye call me noble, and serve me not. Ye call me mighty, and honor me not. Ye call me just, and fear me not. If I condemn you, blame me not. Can you imagine walking into church and reading that as you come in uh, each Sunday? Uh, a reminder of our failures to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, and mind, to trust in him and to truly follow him. I think of the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, where he says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And so if our confidence is in the fact that we have been baptized, that we have been confirmed, that we have been a member of the church, 
you know, maybe even served on a board or a committee or done certain things in the church. But we are not doing what the Bible says to do. We have come short. We stand condemned. And those who have not been baptized, who are doing what the Bible says, will stand up and judge us on the last day. Now, what is the point of all this? I'm sure it makes you feel very good. It does me. I see my utter sinfulness. I see my failures. Well, it teaches us a couple of things. First of all, we see that it is not the outward works or it is not just a head knowledge of the truth which saves us, but it is faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, in addressing Nicodemus, who, by the way, was the Sanhedrin, he was a leader and teacher of God's people. And Jesus said to him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So here is Nicodemus, a teacher, and he could not even see and understand what the kingdom of God was and is, apart from being born again, or anothen could be born from above, because it's by God's Spirit. And when Nicodemus asked him, you know, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. You and I, by the decisions of our flesh, or by the knowledge of our flesh, cannot be saved. We can't even begin to understand what the kingdom of God is or what Jesus Christ has done for us. But when we are born by the Spirit, born of the Spirit given to us in holy baptism, born when the Spirit teaches us through God's word, then we see that the kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. And we see that the way to enter that kingdom is not by anything we do, not by fulfilling any certain acts of righteousness of our own, but it is to be joined to Christ in our baptism and to trust in him and his cross for forgiveness and life. In John chapter 6, verse 63, Jesus said, "Is the spirit that quickeneth, in other words, it's a spirit that makes alive. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So you and I can do nothing to accomplish our salvation. It is only when God's spirit working through the word brings us to place our faith in Jesus and his cross that we have and receive the forgiveness and life he won for us. And one more passage from Titus chapter 3, where it speaks again of baptism. It says, 
For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And so as it says so very plainly, there's nothing you and I can do to be justified and acceptable in God's sight. The fact that we have the Holy Scriptures, the fact that we've been taught the Holy Scriptures and are able to even teach them and share them with others is great. There's great benefit in that. However, we cannot be saved simply by having these things. The only way to be saved is through faith in Jesus and his cross. And we will look at that more as we get into chapter 3. And I know I have read these verses to you before, but I hate to end a sermon on nothing but law. In Romans chapter 3, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. And so we are counted righteous in God's sight, not by our keeping of the law, but through faith in Jesus, who kept the law for us, who then went to the cross and suffered and paid the penalty for our sins, that you and I might have God's mercy and forgiveness. Coming back to the hymn we just sang, again in verse 4, All righteousness by works is vain. The law brings condemnation. True righteousness by faith I gain, Christ's work is my salvation. His death and perfect sacrifice has paid the all-sufficient price. In him my hope is anchored. My guilt, O oh Father, you have laid on Christ, your Son, my Savior. Lord Jesus, you my debt have paid and gained for me God's favor. O oh Holy Spirit, fount of grace, the good in me to you I trace. In faith and hope preserve me. Amen. I ask you to please stand. I guess I didn't put it in the bulletin, but we might still sing uh, if you can find that page. Uh, this would be uh, you're looking in the front of uh, the LSB. Page 192 at the bottom and 193. 
We'll continue our worship by bringing forward our offerings. I invite you to please stand for the prayers of the church. Merciful Father, for the sake of the shed blood of your Son, Christ Jesus, forgive us for failing to walk by faith in the promises of your word. Move us to read and study our Bibles regularly and to come before you with our petitions and praises. Keep us from being overcome by our sinful inclinations and preserve us in the true and saving faith unto life everlasting. Lord, in your mercy. O Christ Jesus, eternal Son of God and our Savior, you gave your life for ours when you died on the cross and made atonement for our sins. Bless the work of our pastors and of faithful pastors and missionaries everywhere so that your life-giving word might be proclaimed among us and among the nations and peoples of the world. And those who hear might repent of their sins and look to you and your cross for pardon and forgiveness. Lord, in your mercy. O Holy Spirit, do not forsake us because of our weakness and disobedience to your word. Be patient with us and move us to continually repent of our sins and look in faith to our Savior for mercy. Teach us from your word 
strengthen and keep us in the true and saving faith. Lord, in your mercy. O loving and merciful God, our nation and people are living in darkness and are under the wrath, under your wrath and judgment. Open the eyes and ears of your people and rulers that they might see and hear the truth of your word, repent of their evil deeds, and fall down at the feet of Jesus, pleading for pardon and forgiveness, and then seek to walk in your ways that your judgment may be turned away and your eternal wrath against us be averted. Lord, in your mercy. O healer and preserver of both our bodies and our souls, as you have promised, we ask you to provide for all our needs of body and soul and to preserve us from all harm and danger and all evil. We lift up to you those among us who are afflicted. We remember, especially today, Linda, Joyce, Matthew, Carl, Harley, and all others we name in our hearts. Have mercy upon us, grant healing to the sick, comfort to those oppressed, and strength for all to endure the troubles and afflictions of this life in the hope of everlasting glory for the sake of Christ Jesus, our Savior. In your mercy, hear our prayer. Amen. We pray also the prayer our Lord Jesus has taught us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. You may be seated. We continue by singing hymn 621, Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence.
I ask you to please stand. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ given unto death for all your sins. And the Lord bless you and keep you in his baptismal grace. Take and eat. This is the true body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ given unto death for all your sins.
take a drink. This is the true blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, shed by the remission of all your sins. Take and drink. This is the true blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, shed for the remission of all your sins. I ask you to please stand. Now may this holy body and precious blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you in the true faith unto life everlasting. Depart in peace, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you for Jesus' sake.
Christ, Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. We thank you for fulfilling all righteousness in our stead and then taking your, upon yourself the guilt and punishment for all our sins and making full atonement for us by your perfect sacrifice on the cross. And we thank and praise you for giving us to partake of your one holy sacrifice, of your body and blood given and shed for us, and so to partake of the blessings won for us by your death and assured to us by your glorious resurrection. Forgiveness for all our sins and the promise of eternal life. Strengthen and keep us in the true faith and move us to live our lives for you while we await your glorious return and the joys of your everlasting kingdom. Amen. Receive now the benediction of the Lord. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. You may be seated. We close by singing hymn 922, Go My Children With My Blessing.
A welcome to all of you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As far as announcements today, just a reminder that on Wednesday evening at 7 o'clock, uh, we continue our Bible study in Hosea chapter 3. Uh, again, I'll send out the Jitsi link uh, on the day of the study. If any of you wish to listen to the study but are not able to on Wednesday evening, uh, if you go to our church webpage and then click on the, I think it's called uh, Worship and Podcast page, uh, I do a recording. It does not record, I do not record anybody who asks questions or makes comments. It just records me. So uh, I'm the only one who can screw up big time and have it go public uh, and have to worry about that. But uh, if you like to listen to the Bible study, you're welcome to go there and, and listen to uh, the first two studies uh, from chapter one and two. Then our next congregational meeting and potluck dinner uh, is coming up soon already, not next Sunday, but the following on Sunday, March 5th. And then uh, our next ladies second Saturday brunch is at 11 a.m. on Saturday, March 11th. Any other announcements this morning? She's pointing at you. Hmm? Okay. Uh, the 5-0 today? Well, congratulations. You're at the halfway point, right? Yes, this is my official Hawaii Okay. Okay. Lee. God bless everyone and what? And remember their baptism? Yes. It's important because we've been joined to Christ in his death and resurrection, so we should remember our baptism and uh, put to death the old man and let the new man arise. Okay. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Marty. Happy birthday to you. God's blessings to you. God's blessings to you. God's blessings, dear Marty. God's blessings to you. <laughs> and blessings to all of you. Thank you.